Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Uh, we, as I said, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Um, we're going to do a Q&A answering questions about God, government, and the Bible. Uh, if you guys have questions in the room, just raise your hand and we'll answer those. But there were a lot of questions that some people texted in. Bobby, who's watching online, texted in a question. Uh, a couple of people sending comments to a video I posted, uh, and they asked questions. Uh, so we have a lot, uh, but I want to make sure if you have questions that we hear from you. Uh, a couple of ground rules, and then just to make the best use of our time, we're going to j- jump right into answering the questions. First and foremost, uh, first question as we, I mean, first ground rule as we do this is let's all be kind to one another, right? Does everyone agree that makes sense? Uh, we all have different political perspectives. We were all raised differently. We all have different understandings of stuff. Uh, but our goal, even if you hear someone ask a question, and you might think, because when you see some people post stuff online, you think, what in the ham sandwich? And you respond. Now maybe keep that thought to yourself when you hear them ask a question or hear some of the questions that was asked. Uh, rule number two, this is really important, be kind to the pastor, right? I don't know everything. Even though for the first half of their lives, I told my kids, I do know everything. I don't. All of you know me and you realize I don't, right? So, and this also, this isn't stump the pastor. Like, let's try to come up with a question that the pastor can't. There's a lot of questions that I can't answer, all right? But here's the thing. The goal, again, is not my opinion. There is one question where someone said, hey, Floyd, what's your opinion? So I'll share my opinion. But the goal is that we look at what the Bible says, and we, whether we like it or not, this is what the Word of God says, right? That makes sense? Is that fair? Uh, and the third thing is, here's the deal. Um, like I said, we all have different political perspectives. We have some people that are like really uh, hardcore Democrats, some people that are really hardcore Republicans, some people that are independent, libertarian, everything in between. But at the end of this... We still want to be brothers and sisters in Christ. I'll share this with you. Um, We are what's called a unicorn amongst churches, right? Because during the pandemic, pretty much every church from every size, big, small, whatever, they lost people because there were arguments over mandates. They lost people because there were arguments over vaccine mandates. They lost people uh, because of all the racial tension that followed that. And so they just left the church. And we're like... Even though we all had different agreements about all that, we're all still together. We all still like each other. Somebody say amen. amen. Yeah, we all still like each other and like hanging out with each other, which isn't happening a lot in the church. So we're one of the few congregations that can still do that. And I want to keep that. So regardless of what, we, what gets asked and how it's answered today, if you have any problems, go back and see rule number one. We're still going to be kind to one another. We're still going to love one another. And that's actually one of the questions that someone asked, but I'll get to that in a minute. So if you have questions again, uh, just raise your hand. But I'm going to ask uh, a question to get us started. No one asked this, but I see it a lot, and I think we can all identify with. So as I ask this, 
Hopefully you'll, you know, floodgates will open and you'll start answering questions. And that's this. I see people ask a lot, how can people in the blank party, political party, claim to be Christian if they vote for and support blank? Right? Has anyone ever heard that or seen that? We see that posted online all the time. How can you do this? Here's, here's how they can do that. Right? Here's how people do that. Again, we all have big different backgrounds. Now, some of the questions that were sent to me, I had time to prepare so I could put scripture up. Ones that if someone posts one online or get asked in a room, I, I don't have the scripture on the screen, but for this I do. And this is a passage of scripture that we've talked about a lot. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4 and 5. This is the same group of people that Daniel, we're going through the book of Daniel, is leading over, right? He's part of the government over these people. This is the same group of people Jeremiah writes this to because God tells them to. Thus says the Lord of hosts, this is the amplified version, the God of Israel to all the captives whom I have caused to be carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build yourselves houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Long story short, he ends up telling them, hey, you're going to be here a while in a government that's going to be over you, that you're not happy with. But here's what you need to do. Live your life, right? He tells them, build houses, plant gardens, eat the fruit of them. He says, take wives, have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters a marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply, don't be diminished. So he says, hey, take care of your family. Regardless of the government that's over you, even if you don't agree with it, take care of your family. Live your life, take care of your family. And then he says this, and seek, this is important, this is in addition to, this doesn't get left out, but most of us leave this out, seek or inquire for, require and request the peace and welfare of the city to which I have caused you to be carried away captive. Now, God didn't cause us to be carried away captive here. But the same message applies because we're in a nation where, depending upon which party you are, you're looking at the, the other party that's in charge and saying, how can we, how can we do anything here? How can we live here? How can, how can other people in another party support that? Right? And depending on which party you are, that, but God tells us to pray for them because, pray the Lord for it, in the welfare of the city in which you live, you will have welfare. So here's what a lot of people do. We look and say, well, I'm, so, I'm supposed to live and have life and raise a family and start a business in this current climate. But as most of us look, we look because we were raised that way or maybe someone led us to something that way and say the thing that's going to help me prosper or my welfare is going to be better is if this political party is in charge. And that's what most of us do. Some of us were raised... Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Independent, whatever you want to call it. Other of us, we look and we say, because of my job or because of how I feel about this topic, this political party is the one that's going to best benefit my welfare. And that, that's what most of us do, right? No one's voting for a political party that they think is going to hurt them. Everyone's voting for the one that they think is going to do the best for them. And that's where people come from, and they get that understanding of, you know, how even as a Christian, regardless of, you know, your, your political aspect, you call yourself a Christian, you're looking and saying, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I think this party is going to do the best for my welfare, All right? So uh, before I move on, are there any other questions um, 
you guys have in the room. And I get, I don't expect all you guys to like raise your hand, but you never know. Some of you might. I don't want to be like ignoring you guys while I'm answering other questions. Okay. Uh, here's another question that someone sent. I made a TikTok video. Don't hate me for making TikTok videos. TikTok video and said, hey, I'm going to be doing this uh, and ask people to answer if they had questions they wanted to share. We got quite a few. I don't think I'll get to them all. Uh, this guy named Dale Jitsu. I love the usernames on TikTok. Dale Jitsu said this. How do we interact with our brothers and sisters who truly love Jesus but vote differently than we do? And that's a great question because some people, for some reason, somehow believe that, hey, if I, I'm a Christian, but I'm of this party, I can't hang out with the people in, who claim to be Christian, but are in another party. And there are a whole, I don't want to say that's not how the denominations are formed, but they ended up being, well, this denomination is full of people of this party. This denomination is full of people of this party. That's not the way it's supposed to be. So he asked a great question, how do we interact with our brothers and sisters who truly love Jesus but vote differently than we do? And I think the answer that I wrote, yeah, was really simple. I didn't put a slide for this. We just love them. That's it. That, that's what we're supposed to do. If we, don't, if we love people only because they think like us, believe like us, or vote like us, we're not really loving them like Jesus did, Right? Because Jesus loved us, even though people hated him, killed him, and even before he came to earth as a man, right, it says that while we were enemies of God, separated from God by our sin, which means he should have gone to war against us, right, and a war against God, he would have just wiped us out. But instead, he loved us enough to send his son to die for us. Now, this isn't saying that we have to agree with them. This isn't saying we have to vote like them. It's also not saying we have to debate and argue with them. But how do we get along and interact with them? We just love them. Yeah. The way that you guys hopefully still love me, despite the fact that I make a lot of TikTok videos, spend a lot of time reading comic books and all that stuff, and we all have differences, but we just love one another. Does that, that make sense for everyone? Okay. All right. Uh, any other questions in the room? If not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. Okay. All right. So here, here, here's um, one of the things that, uh, let me see. One of the things that was sent in via question, and actually it was Bobby's question. So here's, here's the answer. The, I, I, had, I was going to put it up there, but I couldn't because it was long. No offense, Bobby, but it was a long question. Um, this is what she wrote, and it's along that similar vein. She says, I frequently run into people who state that as Christ followers, we need not get involved in political issues on a local, state, national, or worldly level. But we're only supposed to concern ourselves with God's laws. Has anyone heard something like that? If you're a Christian, don't get involved in politics. Um, not true. But she says, therefore... Because of people who feel like that, they say we shouldn't vote, we shouldn't get in politics. Other people say that God calls us to get involved in politics and the political realm of things. And she goes on and she says this, I can cite stories in the Bible where God used others working with other nations to shape them to his will. Daniel, we're going through Daniel, God used Daniel to, to influence uh, the kings over uh, Babylon and um, the Medo-Persian Empire, Medo-Persian Empire. Uh, she, Mordecai, 
who God used to influence Medo-Persian Empire, Joseph and Moses, both of whom God used to influence Egypt. And she says this, is there a stronger or more compelling biblical teaching that deals with the specific issue of voting? This particular verse doesn't use the word vote, but this is what God says to the people. He says they, and he's talking about the people, make kings, but without my authority. They appoint leaders, but without my knowledge. And with their silver and gold, they make themselves idols, but these can lead only to their own destruction. Now, this also refutes, because we, 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 we talked about in Romans where, where it says that, you know, God is sovereign over all authorities, that he allows kings and, and people to come into place. And people have said, well, that means that God specifically put every king or political leader in place. That's not true, right? God didn't put Hitler in place. God didn't put some of the the, the hated, mean dictators in place. Um, This is a verse that refutes that because God is saying, hey, you're, you're putting people in place without my authority and without my knowledge. And it's not like God doesn't know, but in other words, you're not seeking God before you put them in place, which is what we are supposed to do. We're supposed to be in prayer before we go vote. And granted, most of us look, and like I said before, we're going to vote for people who I think this is going to make my welfare better. But as Christians, what we're supposed to do is like, okay, God, we need to seek your knowledge because you obviously know more than us. And we need to pray for leaders uh, that will do God's will. Now, um, yeah, go ahead. So Bobby, you're watching, right? So uh, everyone wants to know how you're doing. I, th- I forget who, I think it was Bill that asked, or somebody else asked, where's Bobby? We haven't seen her in, in a long time. Uh, for those of you who are watching and you have no idea who Bobby is, go get a coffee, pause. But Bobby is, I think she's in Virginia right now. Is it, is it Virginia? Texas or Virginia? Uh, she went to go visit family, then went to go visit more family. And then going back to Texas, yeah. And I remember she said uh, she was going to try to make it here in time for the elections. If the elections weren't coming up, she'd be going to visit more family and more family and more family. But she does. We do see her and talk to her uh, during our Thursday night Bible study, uh, which resumes this week. Uh, she said, yeah, she's doing fine, and she's in Texas now. And she says, good morning, Sharon. Yeah. My take on fake news. Here, here's here's the, the thing on fake news. Um, that term has become so broad that even though something may be true, right, if it is in opposition to one perspective or belief system, people say it's fake. Like there's actual information and news that gets released and then people say, oh, that's fake because it contradicts their political perspective or whatever. So here's my take. I try not to watch the news anymore, except if it's local news to find out about what's going on in our community and weather and all that kind of stuff, traffic patterns and um, all that kind of stuff. Because the news is no longer news. News used to be, here's what's happening. That's it. It's, here's, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Good, bad, or whatever. Here's what happened. Now it's, here's what we believe why this happened and all that stuff. So again, yeah, it's it's... An opinion or a narrative, and depending on which news program you watch, you're going to get somebody's opinion. 
which makes it really hard, right, to find out what's going on and to stay rest. So hold on, hold on. Let me come back to you real quick. Um, let, me, let me hit this question, and then I will come back to you. Uh, Q, I think that's a Q did that 201, said this. I'd like to know your thoughts about how the church used to be at the center of the civil rights movement. And what should our stance now, and I guess he meant now be about it. Like, here, and, and here's, again, I didn't put up slides for this because uh, there's too many. God created humanity, right? Um, if, if you're a Christian, a biblical Christian, then you believe all people of every race, people and culture, uh, derive from initially Adam and Eve, and then later from the family of Noah, who were the only people on the planet, and they traced back based on where they migrated, European, those in the Middle Eastern and African theater, and those in the um, Asian theater, all from the families of those three people, or those three families. Um, so if you're a Christian... Uh, here's where I think we went wrong, right? The civil rights movement was seeking equality for, like, black people in America. The church should have never made it a civil rights movement. We should have kept it a God movement because God said, hey, there is no difference. Long before America was created, God said there's no difference between you know, Greek or Jew, black or white, rich or poor. He didn't use these words, but Democrat or Republican, that we're all one in Christ. And what the church allowed to happen, not blaming the church, but what we allowed to happen, is we made it this civil rights thing, which means it's a legal, justice, social thing, when it's not. This nation was founded upon the fact that we have inalienable, unalienable rights, meaning rights that God has given us that no man can take away. But then we turned around and said, well, those rights that God gave us now need to be legislated by man. Instead of sticking to what, what, what God said, which is, hey, it's not a civil rights thing. It's a human right that God has given to all people that regardless of your race, regardless of your culture, regardless of all these things, that God loves you just the same. And here's the problem. Um, the church isn't speaking up enough about it because it has become a civil rights politicized thing. But, I mean, almost every book of the Bible that we go through, there's something where it talks about how God loves all people the same. All right, so um, that's my question. Any other questions? Okay, hold, hold on. Okay, so that's a good, good question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this by saying, based on what I'm about to say, Facebook may shut this off. <laughs> YouTube may shut this off. Um, and so you guys won't hear the rest of the answer. Um, if it saves the recording, I'll post the rest of the answer. Yes, unborn babies are, are humans, regardless of what anyone else on the planet says. They, they are babies, they're human, and they have the same right to life that everyone else has. And again, it's an unalienable right. We fought a whole other nation based on the fact that no one has the right to take your life because it wasn't given by man. It was given by God. And so only God can do that. 
We fought a whole other, we fought the strongest nation on the planet for that right. And then once we formed our nation, we started chipping away at that right and started saying, well, based on this, you can take the right. Based on that, you can take the right. Based on that, you can take the right. And I will add to that that when it comes to abortion, it's not just about the right of the baby. That baby has a right to life. But it's also about not hating on, demeaning, and criticizing the woman who's struggling with that decision. And hopefully, instead of criticizing her, uh, there will be a p- people of God who will come around her the man involved, the family, and love on them and try to help them make the right decision. But what happens is once people uh, like say, okay, you're going to have that baby, great, then they abandon them. You're on your own to raise it, hope you got enough money to pay for it, this, that, and the other. But you're absolutely right. that, That unborn baby absolutely has rights. And the church, again, not speaking up on that. Doesn't matter what anyone else says, because this is what the Word of God says. And before I go on, yeah. Y'all are really trying to get this shut off by Facebook and YouTube. Okay, here, here's 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 the reality. Okay. Men can't have babies. That, that's just, just, that's just the way it is. That's the way the world, just like, hey, water is wet. Nothing we can do about it. Up is up, down and down. One plus one is two. Men cannot have babies. They just can't. Uh, you can create, you can take a, a, a man, cut off certain things, add in certain things, do whatever you can't. Whatever you've done, they still can't have a baby. You can call them whatever they want. And if you want to do that to yourself, that's on you. But you're not going to be able to have a baby. That, that's just the way. It's one of the things written into the fabric of the universe that that's just the way it is. Yeah. Say again. During a pregnancy, here's, here's, and this is just my opinion, the mom, that's involved, the dad, the doctor, and the family need to make the best decision for that family. That's not for me, who have, may have never met them, but because, you know, this is what I believe, say, here's what you need to do for your family. That's a decision they need to make as a family, and there's no, hopefully with God, like, God, what do we do? Uh, how do we deal with this? Um, I don't think personally that any other person on the planet has a right to tell them what to do. If they make a decision we disagree with, just like some of us have made decisions that God disagrees with, and God still loves us, hopefully we will still love, support, and be there for them. Hopefully we'll try to encourage them to make the right decision. But even if they don't, that doesn't give us the right to hate on, judge, demean, and criticize them. But again, that, that's my opinion. If the life of the baby is at stake... Don't ask a bunch of people you never met what's their political perspective. Get with the family, the doctor, the, the mom, the dad, and make a God-honoring decision that's the best one with the family because none of the rest of us have to deal with the repercussions of their decision. That family does. We just get to post about it on Facebook. They have to live with it for the rest of their lives. Okay? Any, any, any other? Okay, I'm going to move on to, uh, I think there's another one. Yeah. 
So this person, uh, forgiven through grace, asked us, what is the biblical view of the current social environment in the U.S.? How can I put this in a, a God-honoring way? Um, it is a cow manure storm, in my opinion. Uh, because what the, 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 the social environment basically means... How are we as a society dealing with one another, right? And here, here's the standard, not what I think. Here's the standard. You know, even if you go back to the Old Testament, God laid out the Ten Commandments, four about loving God, and then the other six about interacting with one another. Go down and see how we do about loving God, fail. How we do about loving one another, fail. Jesus said all of the entire Old Testament can be summed up in two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. And again, look around. At how, I'm just talking about in the U.S. How we in the U.S. do at loving God, right? Kind of fail. How, how are we doing at loving one another? We're divided. We come up every day with things to divide over, right? So I would say Fail. We're, we're, we're not doing good. Um, as the church, if you were to Google, and I, I've, I've said this before, we've talked about it, the one another's 59 verses in the Bible about how we're supposed to love one another, care one another, bear one another's burdens, and you go down, fail. Society as a whole, the church as a whole in the U.S., we're not doing that great, Right? I mean, we're trying, and, and again, it's not, I'm not throwing out everything, but on a large scale, you guys see it as well, all the reports that say people are leaving their churches and drills, people are becoming more atheists, people are doing this, people are doing that. Uh, there's still a bunch of people who are loving God, loving one another, being there for each other, trying to encourage people, not about getting them in the building, but about uh, uh, introducing them to a God who loves them, cares about them, and wants them to be a part of his family, and yeah, some of us are doing good, but as a whole. I mean, is this, is this just me? Or how, how would you guys grade on a scale of 1 to 10? How many say 1 to 5? Well, put this way. How many say 5 to 10? 10 to, yeah, we're doing great. How many say you're, you're going to grade it somewhere between 5 and 10? Okay, nobody. Are, are you stretching? Oh, that was Rita. Sorry. Okay. How, how many say like somewhere between 1 and 5? That's, that's more accurate. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bonnie's like less than one. Okay, so yeah, we're not doing that great uh, overall. Um, and here's the thing. I would probably say, and I say this a lot, I was just talking to someone else about this uh, in a men's group, um, I blame the pulpit, right? Because we're not, we've gotten so focused on trying to create programs that bring people into the building, we forget that for 2,000 years, all they did was preach Christ and Christ crucified and the church exploded all over the world because people were eager to know and receive God. Instead, we're like, hey, what can we do program-wise? And on TikTok, I see people all the time that will message them, what do you do about this? And you know, uh, they're focused on bringing people in the building. They're focused on this and the, all these things. And I hear all these things about pastors in pastors groups who talk about, well, my board just fired me today because I wanted to go door to door or, or, or I was treated like this or a bunch of people hated on me for doing this thing or because I, and this one, this one made me cry because I spent too much time 
reading from the Word of God on Sunday morning. And I'm like, why else are we in the room? You know, if you guys just want to hear my opinion, follow me on TikTok, right? But if you want to come together, this is why we're here. And look at, look at this, a couple of verses really quick. Uh, this is from Proverbs 28, right? Solomon, wisest man on the planet, because of God, said this, when the righteous triumph, there's great elation. But when the wicked rise to power, people go into hiding. Again, this is about people coming into power who don't have God's justice in line. They're not trying to, to rule in accordance with God's level of morality. And that causes communities to fail and societies to fail. Um, this is what it says in First Timothy It says, I urge them, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. Now, this is why I like teaching through the Bible and context, right? When Paul wrote this to Timothy, Timothy had sent a letter with a bunch of different questions. One of the questions was, hey, Paul, uh, the emperor just put out this new rule that says that we have to pray for the emperor during our Sunday celebrations. Do we really, how do we, how do we get around that? Paul's response was, you don't get around it, that you not only pray for them, but you give thanksgiving for them. Even though, here's the thing, it, it, it's not a, a political person that you elected, right? None of them voted that emperor into power. They actually wanted him out of power because they were persecuting Christians. Paul said, but you still need to to vote for him for kings and all those in authority so that we may live peaceful and quiet lives and godliness and holiness. And he says, it's good and pleases God, our savior, who wants all people to be saved. When, when, when we have like our elections in the U.S. and we're one of the places where we're blessed enough, where we get a say, but that goes back to Hosea. Are we, are we electing people uh, with God's knowledge and with God's consent? But when we elect people, most of us, if the person we voted for doesn't win, we go out and start bad-mouthing them, when according to Paul, we should be praying even more for them. In other words, if the person I didn't vote for wins, I need to pray more for them than I would have than the person I wanted to win. Right, And it's, he says, that pleases God, uh, our Savior. And I'll put up this last one. We already talked about this. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you in exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because it, if it prospers, you will prosper. So rather than me hating on whoever wins the election, I want to pray that they do a good job. Because if they do a good job, what happens to our nation? It gets better. Same prosper, same welfare, same concept, right? If they fail, then what happens? Then our, our, our society divides into what we see today, where there's nothing but conflict and hatred and division uh, and all that kind of stuff. So um, any other questions in the room? I think I have like one more. Yeah, I have one more. Any other questions in the room? Okay, this is not really government, but it kind of is, so... Yeah, uh, I I, I let it go. Someone, uh, Jeannie Stein, I think I'm pronouncing it right, said, when do you think the rapture will happen before or during the seven-year supposed peace that the Antichrist brings? As we're going to read in Daniel, it becomes pretty clear 
that this whole Antichrist, I think if you read Daniel, if you read the Gospels, uh, if you read Matthew 24 and, and that same, uh, I think it's Luke 21, it might not be 21, but in Luke, and in the book of Revelation, what becomes crystal clear is that there's, and it's not seven years of peace, it's three and a half years of peace followed by three and a half years of the worst turmoil that the world has ever seen. And it becomes crystal clear that we, those who are Christians, don't get to experience that because that's followed by, I mean, that's, that's God pouring out his wrath of judgment on all those people who said, I want nothing to do with you. You know, it, it would, it, well, I won't make that analogy because it won't, it won't come off good. But here's, here's, here's specifically, if you read through every time, and I think it was a couple of years ago, we went through first and second Thessalonians. Every time Paul talked about the end times of the return of Christ, he talked about it in a positive, encouraging, this should excite you way. Nothing should excite us about being recipients of God pouring out his wrath. And if you read through Daniel and uh, uh, Zechariah, which we went through, and Revelation, you find out that um, somewhere up to almost a quarter of the people on the planet die horribly, painfully. Like, like, uh, like the, the world goes wild. That's nothing to look forward to. But Paul says this, do you have nothing to hope for, right? So this is, this is supposed to be something that we hope for. For since we believe, and this is the complete Jewish Bible version, this is the way the Jewish person uh, would have understood this, and we're going to close with this, with this answer. He says, we believe that Yeshua died and rose again. We also believe that in the same way God, through Yeshua, will take with him those who have died. When we say this, we base it on the Lord's own word. We who remain alive when the Lord comes will certainly not take precedence over those who have died. But the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a rousing cry, with a call from one of the ruling angels, and with God's shofar, Trump. Those who died united with the Messiah will be the first to rise. Then we who are left still alive will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we will always be with the Lord. And he ends with this, so encourage each other with these words. Every time he spoke of uh, this end time event or the apocalypse, and he even makes uh, reference to the fact that it's the church or the Holy Spirit, and he doesn't specify which, and many theologians believe it is the Holy Spirit-filled church, one and the same, that's keeping the Antichrist from coming to power. Because if we're doing our jobs and sharing the gospel, he can't have as much of an impact. But once the Holy Spirit-filled church is removed, there is nothing stopping evil from reigning, and then he will just come to power. So my belief, and, and here's again, this is, this is, remember the question about, hey, how do you believe, you know, get along with people who claim to love Jesus but interact differently with you? And we say, well, you just love them, right? Same applies to how do you get along with people who have a different understanding of when Christ is going to come back? Some people say it's going to be before this thing called the rapture. Some people say it's going to be in the middle. Some people say it's going to be at the end. And I have been called every name you can think of, heretic, leading people to hell, because I believe what the scriptures say and what the early church fathers in the first and second century wrote about that they believe that it's going to come before. But I don't hate on people who believe differently than me. 
that's okay. That's like if we're all waiting for the bus and we're like, I think it's going to come at this time. Nope, I think it's going to come at this time. Nope, I think it's going to come at that time. Should I turn around and slap you because you disagree with me? No, not at all. Even though for some people that seems like the appropriate thing to do, the thing is like, oh, you know what? We'll wait and see. That's it. We'll wait and see. It doesn't make sense to fight over. We all agree that Jesus is coming. It doesn't make sense to get in a knockdown, drag out fight over when that's going to occur. As long as we're telling people, put your hope and your faith in Jesus. So uh, we're going to close out. I'm going to ask you guys to stand. And we're just going to close out with a time of prayer. God, we thank you so much that as your word says, that while we were enemies of you, people who were opposed to you, opposed to your ways, uh, that you loved us enough to send your son to die on the cross for us so that we might experience your forgiveness, your mercy, and your grace. God, we thank you for allowing us to come together this morning. And even though we live in a world where you're not supposed to talk about religion and politics, where you talk about both throughout your word and where we as the people of God understand, regardless of which political party is in power, our God reigns. God, we pray that you would impress upon our hearts the one job that we have And it isn't to promote a political party. And it's okay if we vote for whichever party we think is going to better our welfare. But the one job that we have is to tell others about your mercy, grace, and love. And the call that you put upon our hearts to love one another. We pray that we would do that. We pray that your people called by your name would love others so fiercely but that they would have no recourse but to experience and want to be a part of that same love from you, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.